kicked off our Easter teaching series. Um, and my goal for this series as we approach our first Easter together as a family is to unpack for you um, who we are, um, or I'll say it like this, who we hope to be. Um, last week, I spent a little bit of time talking about how Wellspring is a Jesus church and what that means, right? That, that we're committed to following Jesus. We're committed to being changed by Jesus. We're committed to the mission of Jesus. Wellspring is a Jesus church. Um, and now this might be breaking news for some of you in the room, um, but I am not Jesus. I am not Jesus. Sometimes um, I, I might see something or do something or, or, or react um, to something or someone around me and think, wow, that was the right thing to do, right? Like that, that kind of reminded me of Jesus. But there's other times um, in my life where I look at myself and I go, who are you, right? Like, well, who is this guy? I don't know um, if you can relate to that. Um, but Paul says it like this in Romans chapter number seven uh, in a letter in the New Testament. He says, I do not understand what I do, right? Like I, I relate to that. I don't know if you have ever thought that same thought. Um, just this week, I was talking to someone, um, and they asked me if I understood why this particular person was doing what they were doing. And I told them, like, I don't even understand myself, like, a lot of times, much less fo- trying to fully understand someone else. And so um, we're in good company with Paul in the New Testament. He says, I do not understand what I do. The good things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I hate, I keep doing. Right? Now, now, you might be able to relate, relate to that, I think, too. Um, and that's why I need Jesus. That, that's why we're a Jesus church. We're committed to following him. We're committed to being changed by him. So in this series, Discover Wellspring, um, we're going to be pulling things out of this story in John chapter number 4 about Jesus. And those are the things that I hope um, can be true of us, that I hope are true of us and can be true about us. So we started looking, like I said, in John chapter number four, a really familiar story maybe to some of us if you've been hanging around church for a little bit of time. Um, but if not, it's known as the woman at the well. It's, it's a story where Jesus is on this journey and he sits down and he meets this woman and he has a conversation um, with her. And we learned a few things last week um, in this passage about Jesus, like I said, that I hope can be true about us. The first thing that we saw is that Jesus is not interested in religious scorekeeping. He's not interested in religious scorekeeping. Remember, it was the Pharisees that started keeping score between him and John the Baptist, and Jesus just noped right out of the situation, right, and decided that he would walk um, all the way through Samaria, a place where he's not supposed to walk through, a place where he's not supposed to be. Jesus isn't interested in religious scorekeeping, and here, neither are we. I, I don't want to keep score with other believers, right? I don't want to keep a tally and be like, oh, am I ahead of this person? Am I doing better than this person? I don't want to compare myself to you with other people. I want to be compared to Jesus. I want to follow him. He's not interested in religious scorekeeping. Um, another thing that we saw is that Jesus didn't call us to a dramatic performance he called us to a deep life. Sometimes that happens in, in religion, right? If you're trying to follow Jesus, a lot of times if you've been in church or anything like that, there seems to be this underlying motivation that you have to have this great performance to be accepted. But Jesus didn't call us to a dramatic performance. He calls us to a deep life. 
And we also saw um, that Jesus doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. Jesus doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. He sits down at the well with this woman. And first, at first, he says, hey, will you give me a drink of water? But really what he wanted to do is he wanted to offer her living water. He wanted to offer her real life. Jesus doesn't want something from us. He wants something for us. The other thing that we saw is that Jesus doesn't offer you a better life. Jesus offers you real life. A lot of times people can think, oh, well, if you follow Jesus, that'll give you a better life. Your life would be better if you follow Jesus, which might be true, but but that's not what Jesus offers you. Jesus doesn't offer you a better life. He offers you real life. Uh, And and so I want to continue in this story. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, we're going to pick up in John chapter number 4 and verse number 13. We're going to have it on the screen behind us for you to follow along. It says, Jesus answered, he's speaking with this woman, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Remember, remember, we talked here that Jesus isn't talking about some like final destination or some experience that happens after you die. He's talking about what you have access to right now. You have access to unending life. Um, he goes on in verse number 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Verse number 16, this is the New Covenant Version. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem, and here starting with Pivot. In verse number 21, he says, Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. He's already referencing a part of the conversation that they're going to have about the Messiah. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now, what we just read here, Jesus dives into this part of the conversation, and some of it seems difficult, right? And even though it's difficult or even awkward, or maybe if you're in the position of this woman, maybe a little scary, um, it doesn't stop Jesus from going there, right? It doesn't stop Jesus from having this conversation. And there's a reason for it, okay? But I think we're going to see it's not the reason you might automatically assume. The reason why Jesus 
has this conversation and engages her specifically about this issue might not be for the reason that you assume. So I, I want you to keep a little bit of an open mind as we dive into this passage a little more. Jesus dives into this difficult conversation about her husband, listen, not to condemn her. That is not the reason why Jesus brought up, hey, why don't you call her husband? It's not to condemn her for her failed marriages or her current relationship status. I have seen this part of the story and verses almost exclusively used to condemn someone for their behavior, right? But I, but I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this really clearly this morning. Jesus is not simply after behavior modification. That's not what Jesus is after in your life. He's not simply after behavior modification. That's shallow. That's so shallow to think that that's what Jesus wants to do, just modify your behavior. Because that's all that religion can do for you. All that religion can do for you is to model your, is to modify your behavior, is to change the outside. And Jesus is far more interested in connecting with her at the soul level and changing something deep inside her that exists. Something deep inside her that exists, that exists in all of us. I had a conversation with someone a few weeks ago um, on a podcast, actually. And in this conversation, they were talking about Jesus. And they said, Jesus seems so far away from me because it feels like I have to be perfect to be around Jesus. And he's really referencing being around church people and being around other Christians, right? It seems it seems so far away from me. It seems like I don't belong there because it feels like I have to be perfect. And I want you to hear me on this. There's lots of churches and there's lots of religious people that will say, well, this person just doesn't understand. That, that, that's the thing. They just don't understand. To which I would say, uh, yeah, they don't get it. Um, but the reason why they don't get it is because while we don't say you have to be perfect, while we, we, while we don't say, oh, you have to immediately start to modify your behavior, that's what we do. What we do a lot of times when we step into church or when we start to interact with Jesus is we assume, oh, here's a bunch of things that have to instantly change about me. I have to model all my behavior and I have to become perfect just as quickly as I can so I can belong here in this family. That's what we try to do. It's the first step a lot of times that we make or that we're asked to make. And listen, I'm not saying that you don't have to think or care about how you behave. That's not what I'm saying. Because listen, like there's plenty of my behavior that needs modification, right? Like there's plenty of things that I do or how I interact with people that I go, oh, you might want to rethink how you did that. You might want to rethink how you view that person. You might want to rethink that interaction. There's plenty of my behavior that needs modifying. But what I'm saying is that the real change that Jesus is after, the real change that Jesus wants for you happens from the inside out. That Jesus wants to connect so much deeper than the surface level. That so many times, that's just where we want to keep it. That's just where we want to live at is in that surface level. Understand that Jesus is meeting this woman at the well in the middle of the day, right? It's the middle of the day. Jesus is on this long journey. He sits down by the well. He's tired. And I don't know if you know this, but that is not the time to draw water in the middle of the day. I, I don't know if you've ever been or uh, traveled to a part of the world where people are still really dependent on, like, some centralized well that you have to travel to. You can get all these buckets of water, and you have to bring it back 
to your home. I, I don't know if you've ever been to one of those places. Um, I, I have. People leave really early to do that because it gets hot. It gets really, really hot, right, when you're, when you're out there in the middle of nowhere, especially if you're here uh, in, the middle, in the Middle East where this story is happening at. It gets really hot, right? That's not the time to draw water. That's what's going on here in the story. And, and the fact that this woman had to come to the well in the middle of the day indicates that she's probably not welcome to be there when everyone else is gone. When all the other women show up to draw water, she has to come in the middle of the day, probably because she's not welcome. She doesn't feel like she belongs. And, and then Jesus reveals why she doesn't feel like she belongs, right? Because she's bounced kind of from man to man, from marriage to marriage, um, and now she is an outcast because of that. There's a reason why she's there in the middle of the day. And when she says she has no husband, he told her that was quite true, quite true. And then she pivots the conversation to religion, which I, which I think is interesting. I like the way that she did it. I think you're a prophet. I think you know what you're talking about. And then she starts talking about religion. She flexes her devotion and her understanding, going, see, these are all the things that I know, Jesus. Right? So she starts to, to flex that to Jesus, almost to validate herself to him. It's really important. This is what I really want to talk about and get to in the next portion of Scripture. Because like I said, I think a lot of times we just gloss over and talk about surface level things. She starts to talk about religion to validate herself to him. Have you ever found yourself doing the same thing? Like trying to validate yourself to another person? You know, maybe there's people that you're around that you're like, oh, I have to belong here, so let me check this box. Let me check this box about some things so I feel validated, like I belong in this place. Seeking to validate yourself to others. You ever done that? Maybe even seeking to validate yourself to God, to Jesus. Oh, you know, I've got a lot of things in the past, and here's all the things I know about you, and uh, I know all these Sunday school songs or whatever, like however we negotiate or try to validate ourselves to Jesus. Listen, validation is one of those deep wells that we go to for our soul's longing. Remember last week I talked about, I gave us some definitions for thirst, right? That's the longing of our souls. I gave us some definitions for wells. These are the places that we go to to try to satisfy that deep longing that's inside of our souls. And then the water is the thing that actually sustains us. And validation means something is accepted or approved. And that's what we're after a lot of times. And in the story, this is what's happening with this interaction between Jesus and this woman. She's trying to validate herself. And Jesus has living water that he wants to give us, that he wants to give her. And he continues in this conversation, and he addresses her soul's deepest longing. He says, there's a time, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Think about that. The kind of worshipers that God is seeking are people who worship Him in spirit and in truth. And I want you to hang with me because I'm going somewhere. When He says they will worship Him in spirit and in truth, He doesn't mean incorrectness, right? Like there's lots of churches and lots of tradition that says this is the way that you're supposed to worship God. These are the things that are acceptable. These are the things that are unacceptable. This is the correct way to worship God, right? There's, there's lots of tradition. There's lots of things behind that. This is not what Jesus is referencing. He's not referencing the correctness of a person. When it says it means true worshipers will worship him in spirit and in truth, 
It means they will worship him with their deepest and truest self. That's what he means. If you're going to worship me in spirit and in truth, you're going to worship me with your deepest and truest self. It's not like behavior. It's not that he's talking about something deep and true. We desire to be accepted or approved and to feel validated by others around us. You don't bring your validation to Jesus. You get your validation from him. You don't bring your validation to Jesus and say, these are all the reasons why you should approve me. You receive validation from Jesus. Like this woman who is an outcast, who no doubt has experienced pain and abuse and rejection, not just from the men she calls husbands, but probably also from her community. Right, this woman who is seeking to validate herself with religious knowledge and vocabulary is confronted by Jesus and offered living water for the deepest and truest part of herself. Listen, I don't want you to hear this. You don't hear anything else this morning. The worst thing about you is not the truest thing about you. You are not the worst thing you have ever done. worst thing about you is not the truest thing about you. And, and, and some of us this morning need to hear that and just allow that to wash over us. The truest thing about you is not the worst thing about you. You are not the worst thing I've ever done. You are not the worst thing I've ever had to deal with. Like this woman, so many people live live in an entire system. Pain happens, something happens in their life, and they allow that to define them forever. This is just who I am. This is just the way I am. This, this is me now. You are not the worst thing that's ever happened to you. That is not the truest thing about you. People will relate to other people from that place. And, and for many in this bucket that you need to drop down in that last week. How you get living water is you see Jesus is who he is and you leave your bucket there. And if you have a, a narrative that just plays in your head again and again and again, well, I am just this. This is who I am. And you carry that around with you. No, I want to encourage you to me. That sounds like a bucket that you need to leave behind. The truest thing about you is that you are seen and loved by God. The truest thing about you is that you are seen and you are loved by God, period. That's the truest thing about you. Drop the pursuit to validate yourself to everyone, everywhere, and receive acceptance, receive approval, receive validation from Jesus. Allow that living water to spring up as a well in you to everlasting life. That, that well that springs up, allow it to overflow into others around you. This is what Jesus is talking about. He's not just simply trying to modify some behavior. He wants to connect to something deep, a deep wound in us. And we need to allow Jesus to do that. And believe me, I understand that that is terrifying. Like if you've ever had terrible things happen to you, the last thing you want to do 
open up yourself to be let down again. But I will tell you that I understand that people might have meant to you. You might have pastors do that to you. But Jesus is your Jesus. And Paul says, you know, he says, I, I don't realize Jesus, but I, I want Jesus. I want to be changed by him. I want to follow him. I want to be committed to his mission. To love everyone everywhere. Verse number 27. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. <gasps> but no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? I, I want you to notice that this entire conversation that Jesus had with this woman, it was a conversation. It was a sermon that he preached. It was a conversation that he had with this woman. It was a conversation that at first was surprising, but then in the middle of this conversation becomes very intimate, very close. Can I say sometimes that you you have to make the choice to, sometimes you have to make the choice to either be right or to uh, make an impact with someone, to make a difference in someone's life. Sometimes you have to make that choice. You have to choose to either be right or to make a difference to someone. Jesus didn't have to send the disciples away at the beginning like he did. He sent the disciples away and said, go find some food, get out of here, right? Because he wants to have a conversation. He didn't have to do that. He could have showed off to the disciples everything that he knows, right? That he's the Messiah. He could have showed off to the disciples that, hey, this is just a Samaritan woman. And, hey, here are all the things about her that you guys don't know, but look what I know. Look what I know about her. These are all the things that maybe she's even done wrong. He didn't do that. Right? He sent them away, and Jesus connected to her thirsty soul. This is what I want you to hear and what I want you to see. People are not an opportunity for you to be right. The people in your life are not an opportunity for you to be right. Because listen, I'm someone in your life. And most of us are thirsty. Most of the people that you meet, most of the people that you encounter, they're thirsty and they need a drink. And if you have living water in you, share it. That's what we do. And let me tell you, it probably won't come from a soapbox. It probably won't come from a sermon. It'll come from seeing and sharing the truest thing about yourself. And maybe the truest thing about someone else. I want you to watch. Watch what this woman does in verse number 28. It says, Then, leaving her water jar, Paul the disciple, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. They made their way toward That's what I want for you. That's what I want for my family. That's what I want for the people around us, for, uh, for me to make my way toward him, for me to continually make my way toward him, for us as a family to make our way toward him. I, I want to live a real life. I want to live real life, and I want to live a deep life. I don't want to wake up in the morning and just be like, oh, it looks like I woke up. Man, I want to wake up and be alive. I, I want to. I want to be like, man, I rose from the dead, and today is an opportunity, and I want every last 
Rafa, I'm not going to just exist. I'm going to live today because there's a difference. There's a difference between existing and living. And my dream for Wellspring is to be a family of living humans, real living people who walk the earth so that people can experience the difference between existing and living. There's a difference if not what you believe. There's lots of people that say they believe a lot of things, even about Jesus. The difference between existing and living is not what you believe. The difference is what sustains you. And man, what are you drinking from? Because Jesus said, I will give you, I will put a well in you that is everlasting life. Life, life, and more life that never runs out. The difference isn't what you believe. The difference is what sustains you. What's keeping you alive? Because when you live a deep life, you come alive. You come alive. You're filled with love, and you're filled with hope, and you're filled with joy, and with courage, and with faith, and with life. That's what's happening when you live a deep life. I want that so bad. Because I can look at my own life and see all these places where it's like,
next to everyone in the room who has the truth. Oh, man, I'm kind of stuck here. I've been following Jesus for a minute. Refresh yourself from that well. Drink well of living water and pour it into other people around you. Again, it's just one opportunity to speak the light of Christ on fire. An opportunity to see people loving you the same way that you were